Today on Act News Daily. So, I mean, the, the plus or minus variance on what we're seeing as far as yield isn't going to be far, uh, far off of what we're looking at, you know, when we're out there. It, again, it, it stark contrast to what we were seeing last year. And last year, we had to say, hey, listen, you got to take some of these numbers with a grain of salt. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy hashtag Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined today by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, this is the first day of your last semester of undergraduate college. How does it feel? It feels pretty good. I told my stepmom this morning that I was taking bets on when I would start crying today because I am a very emotional person and I am not ready to end my undergraduate career just yet. But it was pretty weird being on campus, having to wear my mask. I do have a one in-person lecture. And so I went to that this morning. Everyone was spread out and it's normally like a 65 person class. And we only had about 15 people that could actually mm. be in class today. So it's a little bit weird, but at least we're having some kind of school year. So yes, that is very true. Good thing. Cause I don't know, I think uh, being off from March until the following March would be a long time for people to get back into the swing of things. So I'm sure getting back in that routine is going to be a little challenging for you, but we're glad to have you stay on the podcast with us throughout this next semester. I'm really excited too, Delaney. How is your Monday going? My Monday is going pretty well. I've got to give a special shout out to Naiman Ranch. We've had them, of course, on the podcast before, but I am working with them for an upcoming producer panel that's coming up here in September. And I just love talking to different farmers, hearing different stories. There were a couple of farmers that had really, really interesting backstories. And so we're going to have to have a couple of those folks on the podcast, but other than that, Ashton, what news are you watching for today? Well, I have some feel-good news. It's a little bit of an update from the Beirut explosion earlier this month. Kuwait has said that it will rebuild Lebanon's only large grain silo that was destroyed in the massive explosion, raising fears of food shortages in a country already in financial meltdown and the destruction of the 120,000 ton capacity structure at the port, which is the main entry point for food imports, meant that buyers must rely on smaller private storage facilities for their wheat purchases with no government reserves to fall back on. And Kuwait's ambassador to Lebanon said in comments to a local radio show, over the weekend that the silo was first built in 1969 with a Kuwait development loan and the Gulf monarchy will now rebuild that silo. So it remains a symbol of how to manage relations between two brotherly countries that respect each other. All right. That is some good news for those folks out there. And I'm going to take it over to the Middle East, a little bit further away. Uh, looking at Iran, this has been going on apparently since the middle of last week. And while it doesn't have perhaps specific ties to agriculture, it does to our country's trading system. The U.S. is moving to reissue a full round of United Nations sanctions against the country of Iran. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced that last Thursday 
and said that the U.S. wants to issue sanctions to essentially extend an arms embargo on Iran, even after the U.N. Security Council voted to let the arms embargo expire this fall. And okay, so like I said, this doesn't necessarily have any direct ties or implications to agriculture other than the trade situation. The other piece of this puzzle that I think is maybe going on behind closed doors, maybe something we're still going to see unfurl, is what's going on with the oil situation. We've seen oil take a little bit of a shutter step back. And, you know, Iran is a pretty big oil consuming and producing country. And so, we, you know, I've been watching this one kind of slowly, uh, with the crash of the oil back in, you know, about a month, month and a half ago. Now we're seeing this happen. There's been some analysts suggesting that maybe there's something going on behind the scenes. Uh, And I think that this points to something else going on here with the U.S. and Iran. So going to keep an eye on that one, see what develops there. But uh, oil, I think, is going to be something to keep your eyes on as we could potentially issue another embargo or an extension of an embargo on Iran. Absolutely, Delaney. I actually have a little bit of news coming out of Illinois and a grain elevator in north central Illinois is preparing for a large corn and soybean crop harvest. And Mark Heil is the general manager of Prairie Central Cooperative in McLean and Livingston counties. And he said that he is confident that they can handle it. And he was quoted as saying, overall, I think the commercial grain space is ready for a big harvest. We have shipped a lot of grain out this year and we are in a position to handle a good sized crop. But at this point, Hale does not anticipate the high drying demand that they saw in 2019. But that all depends on what farmers decide to do with wind damaged crops, of course. And he was quoted again as saying, does that accelerate the farmer to make a decision to go harvest that cornfield maybe a little bit early, just with the concern of what corn will look like in two, three, or four weeks after they're done with soybeans. And he said that while they got through the derecho wind event, a storm earlier in the summer took out two new grain bins that were being built, but they hope to have one of those ready in time for harvest in a few weeks. But hopefully they will have a good harvest and they'll be able to do that all at that facility despite the derecho storm. Yeah, I tell you what, I was driving across again, central Iowa this week and seeing a lot of fields now that were at one point in time standing upright-ish, now unfortunately very, very flat. Uh, So we're going to be talking to Ted Seifert about that. He was, of course, on Pro Farmers Crop Tour last week. But I think that there is a serious threat of having a lot of this corn die, essentially, and not going to be harvestable. Uh, I know a lot of folks are getting with insurance agents. We happen to have our insurance adjuster come out to the farm today. So folks are just in a little bit of a pickle this year. But 
Talking about pro-farmer, I won't talk too much about this because Ted Seifert will have much more insight than I will, seeing as he was on the tour, but they forecast last week after last week's numbers that we will see the average yield for this year's corn crop at a 177.5 bushels per acre, and they're estimating average soybean yields to be at a 52.5. So both of those two forecasts are below USDA's latest crop progress or excuse me crop production report but like i said we will talk to ted about this in just a little bit ashton what other news do you have going on today i actually don't have any other news going on it was a bit of a slow day lots of talk about grain harvest and that kind of stuff but other than that i'm all out yeah it's crazy to think that we are probably about a month away from harvest but I tell you what Ashton I have just one other quick piece of news here to talk about before we hit the markets for today and this one turns our attention back to China the agriculture department USDA announced on Friday new export sales of 405,000 metric tons of U.S. corn and about 400,000 tons of soybeans to China for delivery in the 2020-2021 marketing year, again providing evidence that Chinese demand remains relatively strong despite continued tensions between the two countries. And as we know, election season is almost upon us here as the presidential election is uh, coming up here in November. But it really does seem that China continues to be hungry for imported goods from the United States. Um, We also saw indications last month of increased purchases of pork and sorghum and imports of corn, as mentioned there, for animal feed. So as they continue to rebuild their hog herd, they are still, of course, needing a little bit of pork from the United States to feed their growing population, but definitely looks like China is coming to the buying table. We'll talk about that and more with Ted Seifred coming right up. But Ashton, I tell you what, should we take a look at the new or at the markets for today? Let's do it. We had a little bit of a turnaround today in the corn market. We're going to talk about that, of course, with Ted Seifert here, because it doesn't seem like corn can quite find its footing. The September contract closed up five cents today to end at 3.32 even. The December up four and a half cents to close at 3.45 flat. In the soybean pits, the September contract pulled back just slightly today to end a penny lower at 8.99 and three quarters. The November up a penny and a quarter to close at 9.06 even. In the wheat pits, the September contract pulled back seven and a quarter cents today to close at five twenty, while the December shed seven and three quarters cents to close at five twenty-seven and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock for today, weakness across the cattle complex as the August contract pulled back twenty-two and a half cents to close at one hundred five fifty-seven and a half. The October down sixty-two and a half cents to close at one hundred seven ninety-two and a half. In the feeder cattle pits, the August contract shed 92.5 cents today to close at 142 even, while the September lost $2 on the day to close at 142.85. Lean hogs had some strength today as the October contract closed up 35 cents to end at 54.60. The December put on 15 cents to close at 55.60. 
and hopping over to take a look at the dairy markets for today. The August contract up a penny to close at 19.61. The September up 66 cents to close at 15.79. Without further ado, let's kick it off to our conversation with Ted Seifrin. Well, as promised, we are joined by Ted Seifer today to chat markets at the Ted Spread on Twitter. If you're not already following him, Ted, I am excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, yeah, me too, Delaney. I'm always excited to join the podcast, but... uh... You know, I had kind of a wild week last week, so I figured you might want to talk about that a little bit. We certainly do. We've been teasing that up for a couple of days now, promising that you would be on the podcast to tell us all about the Pro Farmer Crop Tour and what you actually saw in the field. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, it was a little bit of a different tour this year um, with all of everything that we've got going on, you know, uh, wearing masks in hotels and, and, and gas stations and things like that wasn't... Uh, I guess that's not really what a lot of guys were were wanting to do, but uh, <laughs> it, is, it is the world we live in. Uh, and, you know, it was a little bit of a different format this year. Uh, usually we've got 15 routes, 15 cars, and we've got four people per car, and we're changing cars every day. So you're with new people every day. Well, again, not something that uh, really seemed like it was necessary this year or, or reasonable to do this year. So uh, we did, uh, we still had the cars, but we just had two people per car and we stayed with the same people the whole time. So me and my buddy, Eric Minx up from Minnesota, Princeton, Minnesota, farmer and police officer. Uh, we, uh, we were a team and we spent uh, four days going all over the place and crawling in and out of corn and bean fields. I did corn, he did beans for the most part. And uh yeah, you know, it was good. We ended up pulling more samples this year, even with a little bit less than half the scouts. Uh, we pulled more samples than we ever have for both corn and soybeans. So the the amount of data we recorded is just as strong, if not stronger than ever. Um, so I think we feel really good about what we did. And I think we feel really good about having some uh, very solid numbers coming out of Pro Farmer. I mean, they're they're not watered down or diluted. There's really not an asterisk that needs to be placed near them. So, Ted, how yeah. much stock are you putting in those numbers then from this year? Because I think a lot of folks were watching, especially to see what numbers came out of Iowa, and they came back and you know weren't as bad as I think people expected. Yeah. So, how much how much stock do we put into pro farming this year? Is a good question, and we just addressed the first part of that. You know, uh, we had the numbers. Uh, you know, so that was the first b- big question that we had. Were we not going to get all the routes done? Were we not going to have, were, I mean, with half the people, were we going to get half the sample pulls? You know, was it, uh, was it going to be a thing where the scouts say, you know, with two of us, this is going to take an extra three hours, so we're just going to make less pulls? Or are the scouts going to actually do what we do every year and make the same number of pulls and, and just deal with the fact that we're going to be running two or three hours behind schedule? Uh, and making it a longer day and a harder day for us. Well, we took the second route. We we didn't uh, we didn't take the easy way out, and we went and we did it. So as far as as the data is concerned, it's just as strong as ever. The other big question that we always have on Pro Farmer Crop Tour, though, is w- what about the crop? I mean, at what stage are we in? Last year was a very very difficult year, especially for like say South Dakota, for example, where you had corn that was planted historically late and was really, really behind. So when we were looking at it at the end of August, we really didn't know what we were looking at. Uh, I mean, we we knew what we were looking at, but we had no idea what that would look like at the finish line. 
or if it would even make it to the finish line. Uh, turns out it did because we had very nice weather going into the end of September, but we couldn't have known that at the time. Um, so we had a really difficult time trying to place a yield on South Dakota and a lot of areas. Nebraska was, uh, especially Northern Nebraska was the same sort of scenario. Uh, but this year is a much different year. Uh, we've got crops, especially the corn crops that we were looking at in the West that have been dealing with the heat. We have crops, uh, corn in particular that are way, way along, uh, far along their way, uh, looking pretty mature, not quite black layer, but getting really close. So, I mean, the, the plus or minus variance on what we're seeing as far as yield isn't going to be far, uh, far off of what we're looking at, you know, when we're out there. It, again, it, stark contrast to what we were seeing last year. And last year, we had to say, hey, listen, you got to take some of these numbers with a grain of salt because we're looking at such an immature crop that we really don't know how this is going to finish. Again, not the case this year. Uh, you have a little bit of that for soybeans, and we usually do. Because the rain over the next, well, the weather over the next 10 to, to 10 days to two weeks is really going to say a lot about what happens for the soybean crop. So I always, and, and I, I always do, and I always urge people to take that soybean number with a little bit of grain of salt just because of the timing of when we're doing this. Uh, but for the corn number, I feel really solid that, you know, the crop we were looking at is going to be the same crop we end up with unless we have another major, major weather event, wind damage type thing. Um, but rain or no rain, I, I think the, the yields, are, are going to end up being pretty close to what we were, what we were seeing. Ted, I want to ask though a little bit more Then I'm going to probe you a little bit further here talking about the corn crop. I mean, I think the trade was watching to see what you guys came out with as far as numbers went last week. We mm -hmm. saw a little bit of a rally post storm and now it feels like corn can't figure out which way it wants to head. We, I mean, we were closed higher on the day today. We've been closing higher and lower. What's, what's it going to do? Which way is it going to break out? Or is it satisfied with just choppy sideways trading for now? Well, you know, okay. So I, I kind of disagree with you there, Delaney. But, um, you know, this is the time of year where we're usually under pressure because we see, you know, cash movement. Uh, we call it harvest lows, right? In the last few years, we call it five years, we've seen a lot of that harvest pressure coming before actual harvest as guys clear out bins from old crop in order to make room for the new crop. And while we do still still see selling coming off the combine, a lot of that's priced out already. So the big cash push has actually been happening a little bit before harvest. And we can almost say that that's happening again this year. Um, but as far as the direction of the corn market, it seems decidedly higher at the moment. You know, today we closed at the highest level we've been at, or we basically matched the highest level we've been at in the month of August. This was our second very solid close above both the 50 and 100 day moving averages. Corn really has the feel that it is on the verge of a bit more of a breakout to the upside. Uh, but China buying, you know, we saw some really good numbers there on Friday. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can say about corn that might not be terribly bullish, but at least compared to what we're looking at two or three weeks ago are, are certainly less bearish. So I think there's more upside potential for corn. I think now's the right time to do it. Um, it's going to somewhat depend on what happens in the soybean market and that's going to be really dependent on weather. But if I fast, if I fast forward two weeks, I think corn prices are trading higher than where they are right now, regardless of what we do in the meantime, based on, you know, will we get rains from that tropical store or not? How much higher do you think there is left then to head? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at December corn and there's a pretty clear target on the chart when you get up to about uh, uh, between 355 and 363. So first stop, I think I think we'll get up there. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, when we have our, our you know, post-harvest rally or whatever, which again, you know, time frame, we're not quite there yet. But theoretically, 
you can say, you know, maybe that's, you know, coming very soon. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see about a 40 cent bounce off lows. That would put us right near that 365 mark. I think this year could be maybe a little bit better. I'm really still hoping to see somewhere between 375 and 380 corn before uh, that December corn contract goes off the board. All right. What about, what's the story when you look at soybeans? Yeah. So, you know, when we were on tour and we were seeing soybeans and well, you know, just to talk a little bit more about what we saw on tour, uh, I'll just touch on corn briefly, but you know, obviously the big question was Iowa. We did see a lot of, uh, damage. We had, we went through about a 60 mile stretch where we didn't see one cornfield that was standing up straight. Um, that being said, I think of a number of those acres that we saw that were West of Des Moines, um, I think some of that's going to get harvested. Now the yields are not going to be great, but I think for insurance purposes, they're going to make guys go out there and do it. And I feel really bad for the guys that are going to have to do that because it's going to be a bear. But uh, I think some of those acres will get harvested. The soybeans looked okay. They looked battered, but they did. They were they were fine. I mean, they, they looked like they're definitely going to get harvested. Um, you might have some yield loss. You might have lost some pods uh, in, in those strong winds. Uh, our pod counts certainly weren't quite as high through those areas. But, I mean, all things considered, the soybeans were there. Uh, the big question uh, is how are soybeans going to finish out? And, and I say that because the pod counts that we were getting on soybeans were really astronomical. These plants were trying for a record in a big way. The problem is, is a lot of areas have gotten dry since August 1st. So you're starting to see, and we were seeing firsthand, how some of these soybean uh, plants that had packed on just a tremendous amount of pods weren't getting enough water to sustain themselves. And when you have that many pods, you have this huge need for water. And if you're not getting it, we'll start to abort pods. And we were seeing a lot of that. So in these areas that have been dry, which is a pretty good size, um, if we miss out on some of the rains here in the next 10 days, you're going to see a lot more of that. And the soybean crop is going to continue to walk backwards. On the other hand, if this tropical storm does push rain further up into the Corn Belt, uh, and we do hit some of those drier areas, that will really solidify this, this soybean crop. So I, I think there's a lot to be determined there for soybeans. Um, and so we are going to be trading a weather market very closely here, I'd say, for the next two weeks. A lot of that's going to depend on tropical storms because that's really the best chance we have for, for uh, widespread soaking rains, uh, especially for the areas that need them. So, yeah, it'll be a weather market. That being said, look, China's buying buying, 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 buying. At some point, this market will transition from the focus of weather to the focus of, okay, well, we know we're a 52 uh, bushel an acre crop or we're a 54 bushel an acre crop, wherever we land on that. At some point, we'll start focusing on demand. And at some point, we'll say, hey, the largest buyer in the world is coming in on basically a daily basis to come in and buy our soybeans. I wonder what would happen if we had a 40 cent rally. We, at some point, the market, I think, has a job to do, and that is to find how price sensitive the, the Chinese are in soybeans. If we, if we rally 40 cents, are they still going to be buying at the same pace that they are right now? And if that's the case, maybe we need to rally another 40 cents to find out what happens then. Uh, but at some point, we got to try to push them a little bit and, and see if we can sell them some beans higher. Um, you know, and, and again, see how price sensitive they are. So I'm really bullish on soybeans. Uh, I think there's quite a bit of upside potential, even if it's short lived. Uh, I think there's a good chance that we're going to see $10 soybeans before all is said and done on that November contract. Wow. $10 soybeans. I think farmers are probably, uh, their ears perked up when they heard that, Ted, but yeah, I mean, when look, you... I think minimally like 945, uh, okay. in the 
kind of just stops buying at that point and we do get the reins, then maybe that's it. But I would think there's there, there's a lot of things that would have to happen here to limit us to, to something like that. I, I just think the way this, in my mind, the way this plays out where we don't get quite uh, the rain we need and China does keep buying, like I said, I, I can see a clear pass to $10 and, and I'm optimistic. Maybe that's too optimistic. And there's certainly a lot of things that we don't know how things are play out, but I'm optimistic that we do see that. Are you optimistic when it comes to the live cattle markets, Ted? Well, I have been for a, for a, a while. Uh, I mean, I, I've been friendly for live cattle uh, for the last three or four, well, basically since the beginning of the, the pandemic. And once we got past, you know, the plant shutdowns, um, you know, I, I really felt like domestic demand was going to be really very good because what else do we have to do right now aside from go out in our backyards and grill? And I think that grilling season will get extended uh, somewhat weather dependent, but I, I think that grilling season was going to, is going to be hot and heavy. Uh, I think maybe longer than it normally would. So I'm bullish on domestic demand for protein as a whole. Um, the problem that I have with cattle is, you know, I look out at the December contract, which was really trying very hard to stay up and over 113. And I wonder if we can justify cash prices out, uh, that high out that far in time, uh, for right now. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of a pullback in the cattle market. I think we are just maybe starting to see the beginning of that. Uh, today was a, a pretty good day in the sense that we were down pretty good early. We kind of bounced off of that, even though we closed lower, we it could have been worse. And and by the way, you know, we went down and we touched our, our, our major 200 day at moving average support. So we had a reason, technical reason to see a little bit of bounce off the lows today. Uh, but ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised if we broke that. I wouldn't be surprised if we got down that December contract down to maybe a 104 or 105. But if we did that, I, I would think it's maybe a buy there. I think longer term, I am still pretty friendly. It's a market that's due for a correction, but I don't think it'll be a terribly deep one. And by the time we do get out to December, maybe we will have reason to justify that 114 to 116 trade once again. All right. Well, Ted Seifert, before we let you go, remind folks how they can get a hold of you if they'd like to chat the markets a little more in depth. Yeah, absolutely. You can reach me directly at 312. 277-0113. That's my direct line. Feel free to give me a call. Aside from that, you can find us on the web at www.zaner. That's Z-A-N-E-R.com. You can read a bit about us. You can read our bios. You can also sign up for our morning Ag Hedge newsletter. And aside from that, as, as you mentioned earlier, I, uh, I'm fairly active on Twitter, uh, especially during Crop Tour Week. And, and I am at the TED spread. So if Twitter's your thing, come on and give me a follow and uh, I'll try to give you some useful information and sometimes maybe be a little bit entertaining. You certainly are entertaining. Ted Seifred, thanks so much for joining today. My pleasure, Delaney. Thank you so much for having me. Well, again, a big thank you there to Ted Seifred. Always great to catch up with him. He's always got a lot to sh- lot of good stuff to share. Absolutely. And we are always catching up on all things ag news. And you can find us on social media at agnewsdaily at Ag News Daily, or you can catch up with us on our website at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.